Storygram Network. The content and products discussed in this program have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, nor are they intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Any decisions made around your health should be discussed with your health practitioner. Welcome to Body Talk Radio. I'm your host, Heather Morgan, Health and Human Potential Master Coach and Edutainment Curator. I started Body Talk over a decade ago in order to achieve my mission of educating and inspiring millions to a healthier way of living. Body Talk Radio is more than just a radio show. It's your gateway to information and education relevant to today's most important health topics. Delivered by top thought leaders, influencers, and world changers in the health and human potential space. If you love great health talk, listen in and join the community. Get educated, get inspired, and become a healthier you. Listening to Body Talk Radio, I am so excited to have you joining me here today. It is Friday, kicking off the weekend, and you know, the reason I love, love, love to do this show is it is on Fridays, it's the launch to my weekend typically, and I always get to sort of celebrate that with all of you. Um, our great community of listeners, people who are super enthusiastic and uh, really interested in and living a better life. And I love that you all join me. I love your messages. I've got a handful of questions here queued up for Dr. Neil Nathan, who's going to be joining me here in just a few minutes. And uh, yeah, so thanks for kicking off the weekend with me. I um, want to remind everybody that we are at uh, 707-933-9133 if you want to give us a call. I know last week we had a bunch of calls coming in and we just, the conversation was rolling. So um, I opted to go ahead and do the the uh, questions that had come in um, from the website. <clears throat> but keep trying us because sometimes, um, you know, I don't see, even see the call coming in. It's a light that flashes and I don't always see it. But do keep trying us. We'd love to hear from you. I know that Dr. Nathan probably would also love to hear from you. For those of you that don't know Dr. Neil Nathan you and you haven't seen all of my my um, social media posts. He is the he's a local MD expert in mold illness and and Lyme and just chronic disease in general. And Dr. Neil Nathan um, is the best selling author of the book Toxic. And I've read a lot of books. You know, I'm most of you know my story. Maybe not all of you, but many of you do. Um, definitely have a history of mold illness myself and um, later discovered that I also have Lyme disease. So it's a topic that I love to talk about and through my own personal journey, lots of discoveries uh, uh, around you and you all and your your experience as well. And we're realizing there are so many people who are um who are now being diagnosed with Lyme. Dr. Dr. Neil Nathan's going to join us right now. We're going to ask him why. Hi there, Dr. Nathan. You are on the air. Oh, excellent. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Dr. Nathan, for joining our community. We've got lots of people here who are looking forward to hearing hearing from you today and hearing our conversation. I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out to be with our community down here in Sonoma. 
You're very welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you. Well, so I just spent... um, a few minutes going over uh, your bio and also um, letting people know about your book, Toxic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, lots of questions have, have actually come in over the past couple of weeks since we started promoting it from our community. So what I'd love to do is try to intersperse some of those questions into our conversation if that works for you. Sure. I'm happy to any way you want to do it. I'm fine. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. So, um, Dr. Nathan, you know, maybe we can just get a little bit of, you know, you wrote this book and it is amazing. I will, I will say that as a person who, um, has, you know, who has mold illness and, um, and Lyme disease and, you know, those of us and many of our listeners and followers do, we're always searching, right? We're always searching for how do we manage this? How do we, um, address it and and I know that you know you have patients from all over who come to you who've been searching for years in many cases and and these are the types of patients that you deal with is this why you wrote the book maybe you can tell us a little bit about about that um, yes that's a short answer um, the longer answer is um, I was simply trying to share what I had learned over the years um, I have kind of become the go-to guy for um, really sensitive, really toxic patients that many of my colleagues are not sure what to do with. And mm-hmm. and so for many years, I've been working with some of the most difficult patients. Not, they don't want to be difficult. They're just sick. And, sure. Um, trying to figure out ways to help them. And over a number of years, when I was working partly with the Gordon Medical Associates in those mm-hmm. days, um, that was our—that was basically what we were attempting to do. We eventually figured out a kind of approach, a way of understanding these um, patients, so that we could help most of them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to share what I learned with both the medical world and with patients, so that we could move this whole field forward into the future. Hmm. Well, you did an outstanding job with the book. And again, I've read quite a few books on on the subject. And um, I just feel this book, this book spoke to me, I think, the most. And it just it really made me want to one, get in get in touch with you, right? But two, make sure that everybody knows about it. And, um, and I don't, I don't say that lightly. I say that because there are there are hundreds of thousands, millions, obviously, of people who are who are chronically ill and suffering. Many of which, whom don't know that mold or Lyme or any of these other, you know, underlying infections are causing it, and 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 they've just been bounced around and told that you know they have chronic fatigue syndrome or you know you know it develops into other other disease you know diseases a neurological diseases and 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 so what we're finding now because of your book and other books out there the awareness is there's usually something at the root of these chronic illnesses and and when you dig down is 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 that the case that you know people come to you they're chronically ill and you know that in fact there is something at the root and does that surprise your patients to find out what it actually is um, 
usually they're relieved, you know, yeah. um, which is kind of um, interesting in that, um, you know, when you tell someone you have Lyme disease and you have mold, yeah. you would think they'd go, oh, no. Mm-hmm. But what they really say is, oh, thank you. Now I can get treated for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So it's it's the understanding that I'm not crazy and I'm not, I don't need psychotherapy and I don't need an antidepressant. I need good medical care. And that's the kind of model we're moving towards. One of my, one of the reasons I wrote the book is that so many of my patients have been um, misunderstood and told by physicians and their family, essentially, this is in your head. Absolutely. And, and that actually adds to the illness. Mm. It, it almost mold and Lyme and Bartonella, for example, um, typically inflame the limbic system and the vagus nerve systems, mm-hmm. which add hugely to people's sensitivities and anxiety. And if you then add PTSD from medical care, right. that's a, a whole layer that we don't need. Mm-hmm. So part of it was to give hope to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I have been accused of writing books that are... are, are um, not, uh, not what anyone wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Mold and Lyme and porphyria and all kinds of nasty-sounding illnesses. But I, I view it as a as a book of hope. Meaning, yes. we can diagnose you and we can treat you and you can get better. And that's really the message that I was trying to convey. Well, it's you know you touched on something so important, which is the hope, because. There are so many people who have either been diagnosed or haven't yet been diagnosed who are feeling hopeless. And and as you mentioned, that's anxiety-provoking. And I know many of our followers and listeners who have had that experience um, have been told they're crazy and or just, you know, assuming the worst, right, when you don't feel well. I remember... Dr. Nathan standing in front of my mirror in the bathroom and looking in the mirror and saying, I feel like I'm being poisoned and, and, and really questioning, am I going crazy here? Because I feel toxic and I feel like I'm being poisoned, but what could it be mm-hmm. and why? And it's just, it's that not knowing, like you said, um, and then, or, you know, many, many people get a, a, a wrong diagnosis or, you know, um, they're told, you know, say, for example, you have MS and maybe it is more of a neurological Lyme situation. Um, and, and so, and there are, I mean, and I think I'm underestimating when I say hundreds of thousands of people experiencing this. You it's are. millions, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's estimated right now that there are 10 million Americans suffering with some degree of mold toxicity and maybe an equal number with Lyme. Mm, I agree. And it's also interesting, I, the, and even, you know, since I've been diagnosed, so I just got diagnosed with Lyme in the last year, but I've had known about the mold illness for a long time. But it seems like I just, I'm meeting more and more people everywhere I go who either have mold illness or Lyme. And I don't know if it's because it's in my, you know, I work with a lot of practitioners, but also just people everywhere I go and do you think it's because of awareness books like yours or do you think that there's actually an increase in incidences happening both which is I I hope 
that my book and others like it are helping both the medical profession and uh, consumers to understand that there are answers and they just need to know what are the right questions to ask. But I think that underneath this, there is no question in my mind and that of almost everyone else who works in this area, there is underlying extraordinary toxicity of the world that we live in. Yes. And, you know, for example, I, I've been practicing medicine for 48 years now, and mm -hmm. I never saw this in the early days of my practice. Exactly. And, and there, there are reasons for that. Number one, building structure has changed. We mm -hmm. went from buildings that were not as insulated, not as tight, better mm -hmm. ventilated, mm -hmm. and the oil crisis back in the 70s, mm -hmm. at the end of the 70s, convinced everyone that we needed to build very tight buildings with tons of insulation, and that mm. predisposes when there is water damage to those buildings for mold to grow in those, in those situations. Wow. That's a piece of it. Okay. But the other piece of it is that in the last 50 years, there are 70 to 75,000 chemicals which did not exist in our world prior That's to right. this that have, of those 70, 75,000 chemicals, 500 have actually been studied as to whether or not they're safe for us. Yeah, no, and that's, that's so, absolutely right. So we are dealing, our livers have to deal with an extraordinary amount of toxic material, and I think the mold piece is, is like the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm -hmm. that you're going along and you're living in this toxic world and doing, you're doing okay, and then you get exposed to mold and you get a boatload of an additional toxic load and yes. then your, your liver says, that's it, Done. I give up, can't deal with this. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that whole total toxic burden concept, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. It's, you know, I think people don't even think to look you know, when they're feeling tired and fatigued or they come down with some, you know, cognitive decline or, you know, autoimmune condition and they don't think it's something in my home. Mm -hmm. And they're just told by their practitioner, it's um, here, take this medicine. It is what it is. You're going to have this the rest of your life. That's that's typically the story. Yeah. Unfortunately, I do blame my profession for being... Um almost intentionally ignorant about lime and mold. Mm -hmm. the, the, the argument that I hear a lot from colleagues or people who hear my information and go, well, if what you're saying is true, someone would have already taught it to me. Yeah. And, I, and I hear that and my mind reels. It yeah. goes, what? You're yeah. saying that there is no new information worth hearing or someone would have taught it to you? Do you understand what you're saying? Really? Um, I didn't know about mold toxicity until I started working with Dr. Shoemaker back in 2005. Right. And neither did much of anybody else. So sure. I, I learned about it. Why can't you? Exactly. My husband always says that um, physicians often have their brain welded shut when they leave medical school. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because when I went to medical school, and I know this is true for everyone else, mm -hmm. we're told day one in medical school, 50% of what you are learning is going to turn out not to be true in 20 years. Wow, right. And we can't tell you which 50%, so you're going to have to learn it 
all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I approached it from the concept of, well, I have to be ready to toss stuff out because new stuff's going to be coming at me constantly, right? I mean, right. That's, that's a good I'm, way. If I'm going to be a good doctor, I need to kind mm. of be alert for mm. which of these things are going to pan out and which of these things won't. But you're right. A lot of physicians, by the time they leave their residency program, it's like, I am so tired of having to, to cram and study and take tests that I hope that this body of information will serve me. And, mm. and that's really regrettable because we know from the get-go that information is a fluid yes. material. We're, we're constantly learning if we're open to it. And, and I, do, I do fault my colleagues for being not open to mm. hearing new things and going, you know, that's interesting because that does explain some things that I'm seeing that I didn't understand before. Right? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree. And and even when a patient who's seen an integrative doctor, someone who might be, you know, Lyme literate or and or, you know, maybe not even, you know, few of them who consider themselves to be Lyme literate are truly as knowledgeable as you are. But even even going to to a doctor having been to an integrative professional and bringing the information to the to the doctor and saying here this is what i learned from this other doctor they'll just push it aside because it didn't come from them and they don't want to you know i don't know it's well you it's know e- e- ego is a nasty thing <laughs> yeah right uh it, it, as we get older, I think part of our spiritual journey needs to be to get rid of as much ego as we can so mm. that we stay open to learning and then, okay, the idea, this idea that I've been carrying is maybe not as useful as I, as I thought it was. Mm. Absolutely. E- even in the holistic or integrative or functional world, right. what we're seeing is a number of people enter the functional medicine world and they get really excited about it. This is great. Now I can do bioidentical hormones and I can help more people. Yeah. And I can do, I can work with dysbiosis in the gut and I can really help that microbiome get well. This is great. I can do this. And then we see the same phenomenon that we just talked about in people who graduate from medical school, which is I have this body of information I don't need to learn anymore. And I've, mm. I've unfortunately run into too high a percent of people who have some training in functional medicine who go, no, 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 what I know is going to be okay. I don't need to know more. And again, my brain goes, gosh, you were open enough to get this far. Mm -hmm. Why are we closing the door here? Yeah, I always say it's better to be a learn-it-all than a know-it-all, for sure. And the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. I mean, we we truly are a fluid, breathing, living, you know, we're, you know, I don't know. I just think it's all about um, learning, but also through engagement, right? And that's where I think you and your colleagues serve each other well, you know, by by sharing with each other. And well, we, we try. One of my hopefully. favorite quotes to make your point mm-hmm. is is from Sid Baker, one of my favorite people who's very prominent in the autistic world. Hmm. And and Sid used to give lectures where he had a slide that said, may God surround me with seekers of the truth and may God protect me from anyone who's found it. <laughs> yes, 
right? Yeah. So I wow. I love that. To that me, is that's, that's fabulous. Kind of where, that's kind of where it's at. Yeah. Well, well said. Very good. Well, Dr. Nathan, we have to go to break. We've got to hear from our sponsors. So if you don't mind, if you'll just hang tight, um, and then we'll be right back on after our break. And then what I'd like to do is to shift a little bit into the word that you brought up earlier, which is hope. So we've got a lot of listeners here and followers who who um, are seeking answers and also seeking hope, right? And I'd love to hear more about the great work that you do and some hopeful stories. You know, um, some of the great results that you've gotten and in your practice in the work that you do and, and, you know, maybe patients that you've had that have come to you, you know, debilitated and now are living fruitful, happy, and healthy lives. Would love to hear some of your hopeful stories. I think that people just can't hear enough of those. Or Does that, does that sound good? Yep, absolutely. Okay, great. So um, everyone hang tight and we're going to be right back. You're listening to Body Talk with Heather Morgan, sponsored by EA's CrossFit. More information at 415-314-1399 or at eacrossfit.com. Whole Foods Market, located in the Sonoma Marketplace at 201 West Napa Street. You can contact them at 707-938-8500 or visit them on the web at wholefoodsmarket.com. We are back, and I'm so glad you're joining me today because I've been so excited to uh, speak with Dr. Neil Nathan, author of the best-selling book, Toxic. Um, Hold on one second. I'm just looking up your website for everybody. Is it drneilnathan.com? Uh, no, close. It's neilnathanmd.com. Okay, excellent. neilnathanmd.com, everyone. Um, you can go learn more about the great work that Dr. Nathan is doing as well as, can they get your book from the website? No, but easily through Amazon. You can get a Kindle, you can get a paperback, um, Amazon, easy. Okay, excellent. Yeah, most people are, that's where they're at, right? Um, Yeah, so earlier in the show, we talked a little bit about your book, and we talked about the type of work that you do, and uh, just this whole idea, this epidemic of tick-borne illness and mold toxicity and more and more people just living chronically ill and coming down with these various co-infections. And, you know, we sit and scratch our heads and say, why so much today compared to before? We talked about that a little bit. But now I want to shift a little bit into some hopeful discussion. Um, people just can't get enough of it, and, and, and it goes such a long way, Dr. Nathan. So I thought maybe you could share with us a little bit about the work you do in your practice and the, um, some of the great results you're getting. Oh, sure. Um, again, I do hope that we give the message of hope out there. The yeah. key component to all of you out there who are dealing with what is being called chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or mold toxicity or Lyme or co-infections or um, whatever label you have, that label can even include atypical MS, rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. right. uh, Parkinson's disease. If your neurologist is putting the label atypical on there, mm. it's really likely that this is mold and or Lyme. Very good point. And let me emphasize that for those of you who've been wrestling with Lyme for a long time, 
Often, some of the Lyme docs have not yet gotten into mold and don't realize that the same symptoms that look like Lyme look like mold. Mm -hmm. And you can assume that you haven't cured the Lyme because you still have symptoms, whereas in point of fact, you may have already cured the Lyme and you still have to deal with the mold. Uh. Very, very high percentage of patients with mold have Lyme and vice versa. Yes. There's a good reason for that, Mm -hmm. which is... The, the immune system gets weakened by Lyme and you're predisposed to mold, or it gets predisposed to mold to Lyme because you got mold. Yes. So uh, it's just important that listeners understand that. So if you've had Lyme and you've kind of gotten a bit better and you're treading water and not moving forward, mm-hmm. think mold. Yes. Um, so moving on to your specific um, one of the obvious answers to be is in my in my book Toxic. Um, I, I end the book with um, uh, one of my patients who um, was bedridden for seven years, mm. so sensitive to everything, mm. especially light, that she wore sunglasses in her darkened home. Mm. She was EMF sensitive. Mm-hmm. so that she literally had no electrical appliances on. Mm-hmm. Now, to her credit, she never gave up on feeling that there wasn't an answer for her. Wow. And, and uh, I mean, that some people, when they get that bad, sort of give up, and, and she didn't. She kept right. looking for answers, even within the confines of her home, which mm-hmm. was non-electrical and darkened, um, chemicals and scents were un- unacceptable. She literally had not left her home in seven years. Yeah. And with patients who have gotten into that realm, what we've learned is what's really happening is that their limbic system and vagus nerve systems have been so affected by the toxins that they won't let people do anything. And mm-hmm. before you get into specifically treating mold or Lyme, you have to quiet down those parts of the brain that are inflamed. Mm-hmm. And what we did with her is we, we encouraged her to get some online DVDs from Annie Hopper, who has the wonderful DNRS system, which is a way of teaching yourself to quiet down the limbic system. It's so true, though. You're so right on with this. I mean, from my own experience, you're absolutely spot on with that, and and it makes such a difference. And so she did that, and within three or four months, she was less reactive. She added specific treatments for the vagus nerve. Um, There's some exercises people can do, and added that, and slowly but surely, she began to respond she did get a urine mold test, which was strongly positive, mm-hmm. and we began to treat that. Mm-hmm. And most of these people also have developed mast cell activation. Correct. And so we treated that. Mm-hmm. And within the first, I'm trying to remember, her, she wrote her story herself with no help from me in my book, and it's at the end of my book, and it's really oh, very, great. very uplifting. Mm-hmm. But within a year, she could leave the house. And um, I've, I've continued to work with her, and she's 
uh, he sent me a photo a few years ago, which is again in the book, which is about two, two and a half years after we started working together. Mm-hmm. It's a picture of her on the beach with her arms uplifted and <laughs> literally joy that she could get out of our house, be in the sunshine, not wearing her sunglasses, mm-hmm. and, and be out there and be part of the world. And she's gotten... Um, I don't know that she's fully healed, but she would probably say she's 90% healed. She can get on a plane. Amazing. She can fly to visit her relatives, which she had not been done in years. Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter how sick you are, there is hope that you can go from being bedridden mm-hmm. to, to being functional. Um, and again, part of my book was... I know it's scary to talk about things that mold and lime and things of that nature. Right. But the bottom line is that it's treatable. That's so, amazing. It's so important for people to hear that. And and it, it it takes consistency and discipline. You have to be willing to put up with ups and downs and fluctuations and setbacks. But if you can keep your spirit up, the vast majority of people that I treat get well, and that's really the message that I hope to communicate. So I'm going to repeat that. The vast majority of people that you treat get well, and these are people who really feel chronically doomed. Yeah, the people I treat are the sickest of the sick. The people yeah. that my, my colleagues have referred to me because they weren't getting anywhere and they needed some extra help. So mm-hmm. if if we can help those then we can help almost everyone. I'm, I'm not saying that I can help everyone who's ever come to me get well. Sure. And, and to be honest, it's the ones I haven't helped who've pushed me to keep learning. Yes, Because absolutely. I, I have a weird way of approaching it, is that if I've helped someone easily and well, I virtually don't remember them. <laughs> oh, that's, but, and that's a good thing for you, but, right? Uh, but the ones that I haven't helped stay with me meaning they're always in my consciousness. I'm always studying. I'm always reading. And Amazing. many of them get shocked when I call them up five years after mm-hmm. I haven't seen them for a while and went, you know, I just learned something new, and I think this might apply to you. So Excellent. That's <laughs> no one's ever gotten mad at me for doing that. They're shocked that I even remember who they are. Seriously, but, though. I mean, that's amazing care right there. Um, uh, no, I don't give me more credit for it. I just, I just hate giving up on a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, it's admirable for sure, and uh, and that you know the work that you're doing is uh, it's it's so so important. And again, you know, maybe it's just because this is on my radar now because it's my reality. But I see more and more everywhere I go. I so I just went to a, a class reunion, you know, back in Indiana where I grew up. I have to tell you, there were uh, we did a gathering, a dinner gathering. There were about thirty-five of my f- close friends there, and there was a group of about six women besides myself who have Lyme. Isn't that just a very high number? That's a random group coming together. No, not if you realize that um, the CDC has upped its estimate. I mean, in 2013, it admitted for the first time that there were 300,000 new cases of Lyme every year. Yeah. And last year, they upped it to 400,000. Yeah. yeah. So we're dealing with, a, with a, a split in the medical community where even the CDC, our nation's 
repository of scientific information mm -hmm. is aware that we have an epidemic here mm -hmm. that dwarfs AIDS. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and yet we're putting virtually no money mm -hmm. into it. I mean, this is a, a travesty. It's a travesty. It is. Hmm. Now, is there? What are your thoughts on that, Doctor Nathan? Why do you think that the CDC? I mean, I know in the Lyme community they're pretty outraged and feeling, you know, neglected, ignored, and that there's maybe some political reasons behind that. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think there's maybe some political reasons. There are mm -hmm. political okay. reasons. I know so, that consumers might think science or medicine. There shouldn't be any politics involved. But life's not like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's two major groups in the Lyme world. The, uh, the group that I belong to, which is ILADS, is a group that has recognized this epidemic and is doing everything we can to pool our information and figure out how to help the folks who have Lyme disease and co-infections that go along with it. And then there's another group which has a great deal of political power, the IDSA, the Infectious Disease Society of America, that for whatever reason has chosen to believe that there is no such thing as chronic Lyme disease and that the treatment of acute Lyme disease is providing uh, 10 days to two weeks of an antibiotic which, which they say will cure it, which doesn't even fit with what we know about mm -hmm. the Lyme bacteria and how it grows. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge split, and there's a great deal of money going into the IDSA to support that, and you won't be shocked to hear that the insurance industry is yes. um, funding a lot of the public statements that the IDSA have been making for years. Um, and there's increasingly very, very little scientific evidence to support their attitude. Yeah. But the organization is getting a great deal of money from insurance. the insurance industry, who does not want to admit that we have a Lyme epidemic because That's they would right. have to be paying out of pocket, which they do not now. Right. Um, oh, trust me, I know. So I, I, well, I'm sure all your listeners are aware of that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, again, we're in the travesty category of, yeah. I mean, come on, really? How You're accepting that? money from the insurance industry to, how do you live with yourself? But, and how, but how is that even possible to happen? You know, is there um, no legal recourse there or governing body that would oversee that and have an, some oversight? Because it seems to me like that's pretty darn illegal. Well, there's so many areas where that's the case. We could go into vaccinations. And yeah, good point. We can get into the politics and economics behind mm -hmm. that as well. Mm -hmm. So, again, consumers, even physicians, aren't aware. So, in other words, someone who is an infectious disease specialist can simply take the word of their society and their their. Right. Their vaunted leaders say there is no such thing as chronic Lyme disease, and I've seen infectious disease specialists say, well, if they say that, I guess that's true. You know, meanwhile, people are truly, truly suffering and don't, you know, often don't have the money for the care and the treatment. And, um, 
you know, I know that there are some sort of financial support organizations out there for people with Lyme disease that, you know, I don't know if you know of any, but I, I just want the listeners to know that they are out there. I don't have the names or off the top of my head, but I should post them on my page because I, I, I hear, you know, I'm, I'm in the Facebook groups. I see and hear from these people and it's, it's, it's really sad that they, they don't have the money for treatment. No, you're correct. It's expensive to treat Lyme disease. It's expensive yes. to treat mold. Yeah. Um, most of us who do this work don't take insurance and don't accept right. Medicare or Medicaid. Right. And, and, I, and I don't think the patients understand we can't. Right. Because, because what we're doing is not considered by, by insurance industry or Medicare conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. They literally could at any point look at our charts for example medicare can look at your chart mm-hmm. and go oh this is not in right. accordance with medical practice right they could charge you ten thousand dollar fine right. for every statement in your chart oh. that doesn't accord with yeah. medical practice and so uh, literally uh, those of us who uh, for most of my practice i did take medicare and medicaid and um, was always worried that somebody was going to go, this isn't good medicine. Now, I know it was good medicine. I helped thousands of people. But, right. But I wasn't going to be the one making that call. Of course. So at a certain point, most of us have said, uh, I can't stand the stress of having this hanging over my head. I've I got to do this um, out of those systems. So for the mm-hmm. people who are angry at doctors for not taking mm-hmm. insurance or Medicare, we can't. Mm-hmm. The risk to us is literally our livelihood. That you, right. We, we literally couldn't do that. Then where would we be? But, but that adds, in other words, we've been forced by the, forgive me, uh, ignorance mm-hmm. of the people who make these decisions to be put in a position where we can't offer our services to many people who need it in a way that they can pay for it. Mm. Yes, it's 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 unfortunate all the way around, you know, for you as a practicing physician, for the patients. I mean, you know, when you have um, chronic illness, the additional stress of not having money and not being able to work and then not being able to get the treatment is even, you know, more debilitating, and it's the vicious cycle. Um, but, and we got to go to break. But when we come back from break um, for our final segment, Dr. Nathan, um, I want to talk about some of the things that people can do that necessarily don't cost, you know, cost too much money and or um, this whole concept of something you mentioned earlier that I wrote down and circled because I believe in it so much. And that is um, keep your spirit up and how that affects your healing, your daily, you know, how your disease shows up on a daily basis and um, and let's talk about that because I've put into practice over the past months a very interesting um, my own sort of test if you will um, with this whole process and I, I have to say that I have found that you know meditation and, and positivity and positive spiritual practice and lots of time in nature all these things don't cost money makes such a difference for me and how I and and I'm able to go out and be a high performing individual and a lot of it has to do with my daily practices so can we talk about that when we come back sure 
Okay, great. So everybody, hang tight. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Body Talk with Heather Morgan, sponsored by EA's CrossFit. More information at 415-314-1399 or at eacrossfit.com. Whole Foods Market, located in the Sonoma Marketplace at 201 West Napa Street. You can contact them at 707-938-8500 or visit them on the web at wholefoodsmarket.com. We are back for our final segment here with Dr. Neil Nathan today, author of the best-selling book, Toxic. And uh, Dr. Nathan, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, so I um, I wanted to just, uh, you know, kind of s- circle over to some things that people can do who are struggling um, that might be uh, more lifestyle related and or complementary to, you know, the therapeutics that you might do in your office. Um, because I, I do believe that um, habits, right, daily habits, practices, um, and 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 mindset are just absolutely key. And it's so easy to get down. It is. I understand. I've I've been there. I, I, it's so easy to get down when your body is fighting against you, and and you feel like you have an uphill battle everywhere you turn in your life. But um, mindset. Can we talk about that? Sure, go ahead. You already you've already launched. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, I tend to be a positive person anyway, and I I'm thankful and grateful for that. I do tend to sort of be wired that way. Um, but I also, um, you know, m- massive mold found in my house a year ago. Was feeling so sick, so sick, so sick. Found out what it was. Um, took me down. Still have to work. Breadwinner. All of that. But what I found was okay. Well, here's the thing. You know, humans have hosted, you know, bacteria and viruses and whatnot for how many years, right? Okay, I've got this this going on with myself. Um I gotta I gotta uh, I gotta sort of coexist here, right? And I gotta do my part. And my part is to stay positive, take care of myself, you know, rest as best as I can. Um, I, 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 when I'm home, I travel a lot, but when I'm home, you will find me at the botanical gardens up the road from my house. And I'm there an hour a day and I am meditating. And, and I tell you, I get 10, 15, 25 feet from the entrance of the garden. And I feel my body shift from sympathetic to parasympathetic mode. And it's like, I, now I'm trained. I start breathing it in. And all of a sudden it's just like entering this, taking a bath in this like calming. It's hard to explain. Um, but for me being able to just have these daily practices that help me to remain high functioning is absolutely essential. And I wondered if this is part of what you share with your patients in the practice and if you found that to be the same. Oh, I I do, of course. Um, I think a lot of what I do with patients is what I call a pet talk, which is um, after, after we can pinpoint what is what needs to be treated in what order, um, there's a lot of tweaking that needs to be done. But mm-hmm. more often than not, what my patients need is to be reminded yes. that they can be well yes. and to be reminded of what they've already achieved. Mm. Um, many people beat themselves up for not even what they haven't achieved, but how fast they're getting well. 
and, mm-hmm. and these are illnesses that you don't recover from um, like a cold. Right. It, right. It, we're talking months and years. Right. To, to get well here, mm-hmm. and it takes effort, valuable effort, but effort to sustain mm-hmm. your belief in yourself that this is possible and we're going to do it. Yes. One of the most important things is I keep reminding people to constantly compare where they are to where they started. Oh, that's good. So that often people forget, you know, they'll, they'll kind of lay on me, I feel this and this, and this is terrible, and God, is this going right. on? And I'm going, yeah, but the last time we talked, you couldn't even get out of that chair. Yeah. Today, you walked into the office and you weren't even in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So just reminding people of what they've already accomplished and to ask them to keep looking at as their health evolves and improves, constantly look at what they've achieved and not beat themselves up for what they haven't done. It's so it's so good and so important. I, I think that everybody is looking to hear that, you know, from their practitioner and that reminder because it's so easy to, to get down and to stay down. Um, but those little step forwards, it, it, it does. It's really sort of taking that, that look back and saying, well, you know, I am functioning better and and I'm going to be functioning better and um, just keeping that positive mindset I think is so incredibly important and and just knowing that you know people get so used to being sick that they identify with it and that's their reality right, right. And, and that I really caution my patients about right I mean you, you mentioned you know Facebook groups and chat rooms and things of yes. that nature um, there's a tendency for many of those groups to slowly revert into um, dwelling on their own personal negatives, it's dwelling on what they haven't achieved. Mm-hmm. A, a number of my patients, when they go into these chat rooms, they'll mm-hmm. go, ooh, yeah. this is toxic in here. Everybody is mm-hmm. negative. Mm-hmm. Look, listen to all the doctors who didn't help me. Listen to all the things they tried that didn't work. Mm-hmm. It's full of negativity. It is, and I think people go to those groups when they're feeling so poorly because they're looking to get support. So they go and, and unload on you know how poorly they're doing, and then and you know and and I'm not knocking the groups because I think they can be really valuable in some ways. But I think you're absolutely right when someone's better and they're recover you know they're having success with their recovery program which many many people do they're not on those groups they're out living life exactly so one of the things that i ask people to focus on is on visualizing getting their life back many of my patients have over the years gravitated into a life of being an invalid life of being right um unable to do a lot of what used to define them and how they used Mm to uh, feel good about their lives. And Mm -hmm. it's critical that they start thinking about, well, okay, that, yep, that's been like that for the last few years. Can't Mm -hmm. deny it. I don't want to, right. That's not the point here, but what do I, what do I want to move towards? How do I focus on, being of service. How do I focus on feeling good about what I can contribute and not about wallowing in where I've been? Mm. 
and that that's totally in line with the you know the Annie Hopper yes um, I was going to say that program yeah. because what Annie realizes is that every negative thought action word mm-hmm. that you have feeds the circuitry of the limbic system and makes you worse and you have to fight it by putting positive positivity in there and being aware of it I mean the essence of her program really is becoming aware of your own negativity yes. as it arises mm-hmm. and reversing it and mm-hmm. it's not being a Pollyanna and putting your head in the sand mm-hmm. it's not denying where you are it's realizing that those negative thoughts carry a profound effect on keeping your limbic system messed up. And that so means true. that you are sensitive, reactive, emotional, mm-hmm. um, because that's what the limbic system monitors. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking the same thing. And it's interesting because this population, you know, when chronically ill experiences so much of that, right? And then going through this limbic retraining really does help. I think you're so right on that. And and I think, you know, you in you have people do that earlier in their in your program with them. It sounds like one of the, you know, first things you start to address and I think that's so important because it helps them to sort of get their thinking straight at the same time. Yeah, you have to ask what's important. Yeah. Almost every illness carries the potential for a spiritual yes. growth, if yes. you can view it that way. Mm. Um, yes, I can understand why you'd be mad at your body for being sick and essentially mm. betraying you, which is where a lot of people are. But mm. getting well entails looking for what was I doing when I before I got sick mm-hmm. that wasn't in alignment with who I am and my true purpose in life and how I want to live my life in a way that is most meaningful to me and the people I love. That's so well said and, and a great way to actually end the show. We are getting um, coming up on a minute left here on the show, um, but I just wanted to take this time, Dr. Nathan, to thank you for really setting some time aside for our community um, and I want to let everybody know that um, Dr. Nathan is here, and you are you are north of us a bit, but I'm, I'm just a little north. I'm up in Redwood Valley, which is a smidge north of Ukiah. Okay. Yep. So um, our listeners are Santa Rosa, um, Sonoma, Petaluma, um, and and so it's nice to know we have you in our backyard. And and of course your book is available to everybody on Amazon. Toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just we really do appreciate you taking time out for us today. Yeah, thank you for the chance for us to chat. Of course. Um, everybody, have a fantastic weekend and be well. And uh, Dr. Nathan, we hope to connect again with you soon down the road. Okay, great. Thanks, Heather. All right, everybody, take care. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.